Welcome back, Sprouts, Vets, and Moogles. Today's date is October 2nd, 2022, and you are listening to Adventure Entry 15 of Sprout Life Podcast, the podcast that is about Final Fantasy 14 through the eyes of a total sprout, and that sprout is me. I am your host, Holdrena Swift, and I welcome you to join me in my adventures in Eorzea. You can contact the show on Twitter at SproutLifePod. You can email the show at SproutLifePodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Holrina. And you can find all the things about the show, where you can listen to the show, where you can leave a voicemail for the show, find other Final Fantasy XIV content creators at the directory that I'm just building organically at sproutlifepodcast.wordpress.com, or you can just head to cozypodcastnetwork.com, because that is the Cozy Podcast Network, where Sprout Life is hosted. Among the five other shows that I host, I'm just housing them all at mycozypodcastnetwork.com, so you can get there easy by going there, too. So, without further ado, let's hop into some Final Fantasy XIV news. Okay, so... My first part of Final Fantasy XIV news is to let you know about something that probably has existed but I did not know about because, you know, Sprout, but there's something called a Kupocon. And you can go to kupocon.com to find out more about it. I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit of a brief overview, but I found out about it on Twitter. And Susan Calloway had tweeted out that she was going to be in attendance of KupoCon. And I was like, what is this KupoCon? So then I found their Twitter account and it's at KupoConEN. And they had tweeted out, we're thrilled to share our first guest for Unipom in Glasgow, best known for singing answers, Dragon Song, and Revolutions from Final Fantasy. 14 singer songwriter Susan Calloway will be in attendance interview by day intimate concert by night so then when you head to the website uh, you get to find out more about it Kupocon Unipom and Kupocon is a Final Fantasy fan event made by fans of the series for fans and they've held various events in the UK, Canada, and the USA, and they want you to join them for an unforgettable experience. Forget what you know about conventions, this is entirely different, they say. So right now, it is currently sold out at the Hilton Glasgow um, location, and that will be held on 1 William Street, Glasgow, G38HT, addresses are so different than what I'm used to, you know, obviously because I'm in a different country, but I love uh, seeing how different things are. So our the way we label our streets and towns and stuff even change from one county to the next. So it's no surprise, but I still like to see it. And this takes place on February 11th, 2023, and it will be a day and a night event. So, um, there will be an intimate 
type of a situation where the convention events are always big, but at KupoCon they want to set a firm limit on their attendee numbers. Usually even with their largest events, this means that keeping attendance capped at around a thousand people. And then you will be surrounded by cosplayers and familiar wares and the endless references to the series throughout their talks, quests, and activities. And you will feel completely absorbed in the Final Fantasy atmosphere. And then they say whether you come alone or as a group, you will feel constantly at home at KupoCon. We have special programs to help you meet people and easy experience for first timers because we're a community. Please note when guests are announced on social media, this page will be updated. KupoCon typically reveals the full loot for each ticket and the entire schedule in the weeks leading up to the event, subject to change without warning. So right now they have Susan Calloway, Mosin Melvin, and Britt Bar Barone. So that is what uh, right now they are releasing one guest at a time. So if you want to check out more about KupoCon, remember go to KupoCon.com. The latest episode of the North American Community Team's Duty Commence Live show has been archived and is now available for everyone to view. If you had missed it, you can join the team and catch up on the episode because it is now available to watch for the official Final Fantasy XIV. It's on their Twitch channel. In that episode, the community team, along with their special guest, Spofi, went up against the vicious Barbarisha and the Storm's Crown Extreme and talked a bit about Spofi's live streaming career. Of course, another segment of community commendations was shown off in that episode as well. So I put the link to the Twitch video in the show notes. And then also, uh, the next chunk of news, Apparently cultivating gill is hard for some players and a terrible bunch of lazy lalafells have been found by Final Fantasy XIV player under the game's map. On the Final Fantasy XIV subreddit, there's a post that was posted over the past weekend by someone who was startled and perplexed by their discovery as much as I would because I don't even know how you would find them underneath the map. <laughs> That's a, I don't know how this player found them underneath the map. I don't know that they even put that in their post. That's crazy. So the finding in question is a collection of similar Lalafells that are actually lying still in Ulda. In search of clarification, the gamer in question shared this finding with the subreddit community. Other Final Fantasy XIV players claim that it is truly referred to as gill farming method, in which a single player creates numerous accounts and idles their characters beneath the map over time to accumulate gill. And once they have a sufficient amount of cash, they will sell it for prizes. The comments don't really seem to be in agreement on how well players really obtain gill in this manner though, so many are just speculating. However, it is quite clear that these idle characters do not belong there and that they are um, somehow earning gill. <laughs> And some have even suggested that they're doing it by leveling through events of a realm reborn. However, other commenters strongly advise that the individual in question who posted in the first place definitely needs to inform Square Enix of all of these bots and that they leave it at that. 
You can see why players want these bots eliminated, not only because they're farming Go, obviously that's against terms of service, but a lot of servers still have queues and we really shouldn't have to be waiting for this whole group of bots, you know, to be logged out of the game in order to continue. A lot of the servers that I still play on, I still have to wait in queue before I can even log in. And to think that I'm waiting on these bots that are hiding underneath the map would kind of tick me off, depending on, that's just if one player's doing that. Like the picture that they shared, I put in the show notes, I can see at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven Lala bots underneath this map. And once again, I don't even know how they got there. Do you guys? I've never heard of this before. It's so weird. While Final Fantasy XIV is only currently available for Sony platforms and PC, then uh, Phil Spencer wants us to know that Microsoft still hasn't forgot about getting it to Xbox. Three years have passed since Spencer initially spoke of bringing Square Enix's beloved MMO to Xbox, and despite the fact that nothing has changed, Spencer made a pledge that the firm was still working to make it happen. Ha ha ha, I did say that, he laughed, when he was asked by Gamewatch if he remembered talking about it way back in 2019. He's also quoted saying in the article, Of course, we haven't given up yet. This is Microsoft and Square Enix's commitment to game fans, and we will continue to coordinate. Just last year, Final Fantasy XIV director Naoki Yoshida said that he was positive that the MMO would come to Xbox eventually. He's also quoted saying, I feel bad for saying the same thing every time, but we are still in discussions with Microsoft, and I feel like our conversations are going in a positive like tone, Yoshida commented. Then Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, recently shared his opinions on the dispute between Microsoft and Sony over the latter's impending acquisition of Activision. Spencer responded that his expectation was that Xbox would, quote, continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation and other places. When asked if Microsoft was willing to go beyond its recently stated pledge to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for a number of more years and possibly promise that it would remain on PlayStation perpetuity, perpetually. <laughs> so let's keep our eyes open for that and see if they actually do get Final Fantasy XIV over on Xbox as well. Now we have an interview on Eurogamer.net with Naoki Yoshida on creating the ultimate MMORPG and playing solo in a multiplayer world. And this uh, item was wrote and published by Ed Nightingale on September 26, 2022. So I pulled some quotes out of it and put the link to the actual full interview for your viewing pleasure at your own 
you know, chosen time. But here are some quotes I have plucked out to share. My idea of the ultimate MMORPG is one in which every player playing the game can pick and choose the content they want to play, and the developers take into account the myriad of values held by the players, responding to as many requests as possible, he told Eurogamer. And then he's also quoted saying, so when I mean to say that the game will further develop if it can meet the needs of many players, not just the needs of a particular type of player, in my eyes, the ultimate ideal is not playing all of the game content, but being able to choose what content you want to play. I love that mindset personally as a gamer because I have, uh, for one, us gamers, we're fickle. We're moody. We're all different, but yet we're the same. We don't always want to play the same game because I, I can speak from my own experience. I don't always feel like being in battle, 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 battle all the time. Sometimes I want to farm. Sometimes I want to craft. Sometimes I want to run around in circles and jumping and whistling and cheering at people and taking screenshots. That's what I like to do. So I think that Naoki Yoshi is definitely onto something if they can, you know, make sure that they're making a game for everyone. Now there's something to say about like niche games or niche products because you will really always have some sort of community built around that, but there's not a lot of wiggle room. And when they're approaching a game in development like what he's saying, you know, having a game that covers a lot of people's interests, you definitely are going to be one, allowing players to jump from one pool of content within the same gaming world into another, which would, in my opinion, breed more longevity of players. Because what if they do get tired of like farming and they do feel like badly, they don't have to hop out of the game and into another game that's offering that when you can house all these different play styles within that game. So I definitely see how that would be a win-win and definitely filling the gas tank up for their game when they do spread into multiple genres under the same umbrella. So that's just my opinion though, obviously. So we will carry on with another quote. How much of each type of content to implement is determined through discussions among the core staff, including myself as a director, the assistant director, the content director, the battle director, and so on. Having said that, at the end of the day, it boils down to making a judgment based on what we feel would be appropriate. So we will release the content and then iteratively make adjustments while keeping an eye on the player feedback. The series fans have shown the Final Fantasy XIV is very popular and is a financial success for Square Enix. It's obvious that it's necessary to vary content and offer something for everyone with a player base that is always expanding. Initial impressions of the duty system could be off-putting. Why enable players to do tasks alone while Final Fantasy XIV is a multiplayer game? Yoshida thinks it could offer a way to play the game. And I've already expressed my thrill at that because when I'm new at anything, just like if you roll up into a room and you don't know anybody, I'm the type of person that is not going to be like, hey, how's it going? You know, like I don't jump out there and immediately try 
to take the quote spotlight. I'm not that type of a person. So in my gaming world, I'm also really not that type of a person. I don't want to just jump into a dungeon and be like, hey, you've never been here before. Let's do it. You know, like I don't feel that way. I feel more intimidated. I feel like where am I? What am I doing? What is expected of me? What are my other people in this party that I don't know? Because they're a bunch of randos. And then what if they're having a bad day? Then I have to suffer. What if I'm having a bad day? Then they have to suffer. I don't like that. I really love the freaking duty system that they put for us younger levels when you're playing because one, like I've said, it really allows me to understand the content more. I get to practice without having stink eye and having to jump through their hoops of expectations and then having to explain myself. You know, I shouldn't it's just, it's frustrating. Whenever you add in a human element to something that you are trying to learn and also relax in doing, that can throw a wrench in your plans big time. If you get some jackal in there wanting to just take their bad day out on everyone on the internet, because to them, the people behind the screen aren't real. You know, I don't, I don't even want to deal with that. And then, in the, and then sometimes I do, you know, so that's that. But I really love that they have put that in there. And then he's also quoted saying that the main point is not that we are focusing exclusively on single player content in particular, but rather that the scale of the game, its content and development has finally grown to the extent that we can provide content tailored to solo players. Woo! That's what I love. I love being able to get on the solar player bus and get off it at will. I enjoy that. And also it's quoted saying, another reason is that in further developing Final Fantasy XIV and expanding its scale, I want to guide people who have been thinking that connecting with other players is a pain in MMORPGs so that they ultimately, they'll come to appreciate the fun of playing with others. As an entry point to the game, being able to play the main scenario solo is a huge plus. It really is. Because if you have a bad experience, then you're in essence going, huh, do I want to stop this awesome story? I never liked the idea. In order to appreciate the story, I had to engage with other people. I don't like that. I hated it, honestly. I honestly hated it. I did not like being forced to do content with randos in order to progress my story. It just seemed counterproductive to me because one, I don't like being told what to do. And two, I'm stubborn when it comes to people who are trying to tell me what to do. So if it's an expectation on me, it's just how I'm wired. I don't, I just don't. I don't find joy in going, okay, I guess I can't go any further in my story. I've literally created another character before because I couldn't be bothered running a stupid dungeon at night I had no cognitive function left to run it. I just wanted to play and that's all I wanted to do. I'm That is the biggest gift to my type of a player was the ability to cut the humans out of my gameplay when I wanted to. Sorry humans, but that's just the way it is. So, and then sometimes I love being around people and I love, you know, and I know that a lot of my listeners most likely can identify with me. So if you can, give me a shout out and let me know that I'm not the only person thinking this and so appreciative that I don't have to have my dungeon time tied in 
uh, with my Main Story Quest line finishing, okay? Because I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm so, so grateful that they made this a thing. And like I said, the rest of the um, interview you can finish reading is at Eurogamer.net and it's also in the show notes and you can get there through CozyPodcastNetwork.com. I have coverage for another interview between Naoki Yoshida and this time Austin King from ScreenRant.com. They're going to talk about patch 6.2 and beyond. 6.2 has been out for over a month and 6.25 isn't due until this month to hit. So Naoki sat down with Austin and I plucked out some of the information that was shared and you can read about it. It's an entirety in the show notes. All right, so um, Final Fantasy 14 patch 6.2 added in so much great content. Do you have a personal favorite? Austin asked and Naoki Yoshida replied, Pandemonium Abyssus did extremely well in trying to the in tying the story progression and battle encounters together and also features a wide variety of new mechanics throughout the series in particular our newer team members meshed well with our more experienced members and i felt that the content turned out quite promising so i've really enjoyed the raids from a content creation perspective as well then Austin asked, I absolutely adore the Island Sanctuary, and from what I've seen, I think a lot of other fans do too. Looking ahead, what kind of support and features will this see in future updates? Naoki replied, Thank you! We're currently working on additions, like allowing for future further expansion of the hideaway and more types of facilities to construct. But we're also hoping to make minor updates to improve the overall experience based on the feedback we receive from our players. Then Austin asked, we also have more Hildebrand side quests. Is, is coming up with humorous Hildebrand content as fun for the dev team as it seems? And Naoki replied, the Hildebrand series tends to be very comedic with its story, so we run the risk of it getting stale if we constantly crank them out. But because we were able to take a bit of a break during Shadowbringers, everyone our staff included, was able to refresh and tackle it again with renewed strength. So I believe we can continue to deliver a slapstick story. And then he laughs. Then Austin asked, for the new dungeons and trials, how did the dev team find the right balance in terms of difficulty with keeping things new while also providing a challenge for players? Naoki replied, this boils down to team repeatedly creating, repeatedly receiving feedback and making our data quantifiable and continuously improving our sensibilities. We thoroughly play through each content before its release as we test it with several parties of different player skill and make adjustments based on the results. Then Austin asked, the story in 6.2 has really moved in some interesting places since Sunwalker's credits. Can you share anything about what fans can expect in future 6.0 updates? 
So this might contain spoilers for you, so just beware. The Hyrulean and Zodiac Zaga that unfolded since the original Final Fantasy XIV has now come to an end with Endwalker, but our team constantly strove to deliver surprise and adventure to the players. This remains unchanged and will remain unchanged moving forward. I'd be glad if everyone continued to look forward to a multitude of new gameplay experiences, surprises, thrills, as well as the best story and music. Parentheses, sorry, I don't want to spoil the story. And then he laughs. All right, moving on. They are pleased to announce the schedule and guest information for their 8th 14-hour broadcast, which will be starting Friday, October 7th, 2022. They want you to join them for the main broadcast, where they will be featuring conversations and gameplay with a cast of special guests and a quiz show with members of the development team, as well as a Q&A segment where they will answer players' questions in real time. They will also have a secondary broadcast hosted by the How Do You Like It Heidelin team as they tackle the Zodiac Weapon Challenge. And then um, this will be broken into two um, main, uh, main broadcast and then a secondary broadcast. So I put the links to where you can watch them on their YouTube Live, Nico Nico Live, and also their Twitch channel. And there's also new music available for pre-order now. They are pleased to announce a third orchestral arrangement album and a new vinyl record featuring music from Endwalker. You can pre-order them now ahead of their release in December of this year. Final Fantasy XIV's orchestral arrangement album volume three is the third installment in the orchestral album line offering a sampling of the songs that will be featured in the upcoming Final Fantasy 14 Orchestra Concert 2022, Eorzean Symphony, recently announced for Japan. The release date is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. The order fulfillment may take additional time due to any unforeseen shipping and custom situations or delays. The price is $29.99 and the pre-order bonus will have a cup sleeve, which the design will be revealed later. So I put the link to that in the show notes. Now I have two reviews for the show to share on Moogle Delivery Service. The first one is titled, I just started Final Fantasy XIV again. And they gave me a five star review and they said, I'm excited to hear someone else who is just getting into the game as well. I have played it a few times, but always got to level 20 or so. And then I would go back to WoW. I was so fed up with the toxic mess that AB has become and I love Final Fantasy. I'm excited to learn along with you just starting on episode one. So thank you so much from Canada. That's so nice. That was from Dan Ketch and um, from the Canadian Apple podcast reviews. That's why I did not know I even had these hiding. Each Apple podcast review is you don't get alerts when somebody leaves your review. And then each one is uh, country specific. So as a podcaster, you have to go through each one 
And I didn't even know that there were reviews being left for me. I had no idea. So I appreciate it and I'm glad that I found it because then I also have another one I want to share, a five-star review titled, This Show is a Delight. It's the mix of news, information, and wild enthusiasm that makes this show so fun to listen to from Mr. Rascalwitz on Apple Podcasts in the, from the USA. So thank you so much for these five-star reviews. If you can uh, review the show and let me know what you think of it, that is great. I appreciate it. And hopefully I will get alerts um, through this I think it's called Chartable. That's the only way I knew (laughs) that I actually had reviews. So that's good to know. In case you do a podcast, check that out. Now we're hopping into community tips. The first one is coming off from Twitter. And it is posted by Dave at P-A-S- Shadow Bingers, and they just wanted to let everybody know, Final Fantasy XIV housing gamers, please be mindful of a very specific scam that is going around targeting players who are frustrated by the lottery system. This scam is being sent to people in housing discords and is also actively being advertised in PF. I'll elaborate more in this thread. So I put the screenshots and the link to the Twitter, um, to the tweet on Twitter so you can check it out for yourself because they actually took screenshots of some of the stuff that's been going on in these discords. So they wanted to go on to say, um, it appears that moderators are spamming discord invites to strangers via DM. So it's like a sketchy discord itself. And um, the Discord itself is incredibly new, along with the accounts of all the moderators who are hosting it. And they started in July of 2022. The admin also appears to have bought members to inflate the server member count as well. And then they put the screenshots of why they think this is a thing. And they said, in regards to the party finder advertisements, this is what they look like. People are also actively calling out the scam there as well. They appear to have deleted it within the actual Discord itself, but they were paying people 100K to advertise their Discord for them. And then they said, in regards to proof of this being a scam itself, here's a testimony from a Discord user who fell for it. Other user messages have been filtered out for the sake of coherency on this post. They will also provide a snippet of them paraphrasing the scam that occurred in easier terms. So um, on this is the post that they have uh, to show that it is actually a scam because this has been a victim from the scam. And they had put in Discord, I have a confession to make as an absolute effing idiot whose brain shuts off after work. I only need confirmation that this Discord is a scam, that it's that it is a scam. That's what a week of busting your a your a hole does to you. I like to keep my shows uh, family friendly, so I have to on the fly um, kind of 
change the car, the curse words. So um, that's a week of busting your bunghole does to you, though. 175 million down the drain. But yeah, if anyone needed absolute confirmation, here it is. They did not want to provide more precise information about the house because people can use the support desk to report this and then just get the house sent back into the lottery system. So I should have noted the, that as a red flag. They said, I did not join the FC. They insisted on a down payment and I was an idiot and I did through the market board. They insisted on payment before releasing more details. I'm absolutely stupid. Yeah. I know I made a very foolish choice and it was a very obvious scam. I'm just so tired. They did operate off a ticket system in their Discord. My ticket was ticket 10 that I saw. Yeah, at the very least, you all know for sure I saw the announcement the moment after I bought the item and went, oh, F. So um, what's going on is there is definitely housing scams going on, Discord housing scams, and they're feeding off the people who really want to get into the housing market in Final Fantasy XIV. So I put the link to it so you can deep dive into it and check out more. As a Sprout, I just wanted to let you know that I definitely wouldn't trust any avenues that offer to have a, you know, a win um, on your housing lottery, I would stick to the absolute way that Final Fantasy and Square Enix have designed. And I wouldn't color outside of those lines because you will, you know, get in big trouble. Um, you might lose a lot of money and definitely be scammed, if not once, multiple times. So here's what the first uh, Discord, I'm going to read it as I go. It's a server announcement. Long time, no ping. Unfortunately, this is a ping that's going out as a result of the mod team being informed of a Final Fantasy 14 housing resale scam that's starting to circulate within the past few days. We have been informed of users from multiple housing discords across the board being DM'd an invite link to a relatively new housing resale server. Along with this, the discord is also being actively advertised in game via Party Finder. We have had confirmed reports that this is being advertised on the Crystal DC. While a new housing discord popping up is not the issue, in bold it says we have received and confirmed reports of users being scammed through the discord's resale services and being stripped of their gill. From what we have been told, this discord has no social channels. You are required to open a ticket within an admin moderator ticket handler and pay the gill as a down payment. And once you're paid, once you pay this down payment, you're moved, removed from the server and given no way to recover your gill or communicate with their team further. We are also fairly certain that the log of successful purchases in said discord are faked as well. Due to the severity of this scam and the fact that the scam seems to be preying on people frustrated with the lottery system, we are resorting to making an announcement in regards to it. So they said, as always, please remember some common sense rules. Do not click on random links from strangers and DMs. This goes for an invite links. Remember the iconic duo block and report. For those actively looking to participate in housing resale, the resale discord posted in and then they list, you know, whatever. 
um, links to it, little hashtag links that you find in Discord servers. Um, if it is not listed, it is not in an environment we support and we or wish to platform. The channel is intentionally curated as such. Below is an attached image of what the scam DM looks like. And I put this link in the show notes so that you can see what exactly the scam DM looks like. And hopefully it says this can help users identify the scam at a distance and stay away from it. Information such as the Discord's invite link have been censored for obvious reasons and they do not want people going over there and risking getting hurt and scammed. So just a heads up, if you're so frustrated about what you know not getting in to the housing lottery just be aware that there are always people out there willing to monopolize off your frustration so keep your head on a swivel and don't trust these wackadoodles all right our second community tip is a coming off from Final Fantasy 14 Reddit, where there's a post that said, new to Final Fantasy 14, what are your tips for a conjurer sprout? Hi, I'm still in the trial, but considering getting the full game, what would you suggest for getting the most of the game? Anything about the community and being a good player I should know? Are there different aspects of the game that might not be obvious to a new player playing on PS5? One specific question I have is if it's a faux pas to watch the cutscenes during instances, I've started skipping them because it seems like when I watch them, my party complains even when I say I'm new. So then JC Gilbosaurus said, if you want to watch a cutscene, watch it. If anyone is too impatient with you, they are the arse in this situation. You are entitled to watch it. If they start harassing you over it, then you can report them. Make sure you upgrade to White Mage as soon as you can. You need to be level 30. Completed all the class quests and completed the level 22 main quest, Sylph Management. However, don't forget to pick up your Unicorn Mount, which is a Conjurer-only quest that is available at level 30. You can just unquip your Jobstone if you forget and unlock the White Mage first. S'more Jokins added, also don't forget about the short quest that gives the unicorn mount. So they just kind of backed up what Jill Gibbosaurus said. Hi Ho 3 said, thanks I literally just finished self management. Y'all are making me feel a lot better about the cutscenes. And then Worrisome said, never feel bad about it. Remember if they start without you, then they're without a healer. Their fault if they die in my opinion, LMAO. Charger18 added, also, do the Hall of the Novice in its entirety. If you haven't done so already, it gives you a decent starter armor set and a ring that gives you a 30% XP boost until level 30. It makes leveling a bit easier. And then Yaku said, also, keep up with White Hat Mage quests after getting your Jobstone, as they give you skills too. And then Smorjokin replied, no, you're good on the cutscenes part. People are very understanding with cutscenes, in my experience. Could just make a quick comment saying you're new and you want to see the cutscenes. That's what I do anyway. I haven't had any complaints about it yet. And 17 Feral Hogs, which is a hilarious name. While it may feel scary right now, don't be afraid to use damage spells in a group content. 
Earlier dungeons are tuned weird, and people with more or less gear can dramatically alter how much breathing room you get. But try to get the best use out of each global cooldown. There's going to be a lot of times where you're going to make mistakes, but don't spiral. Acknowledge the mistake, learn from it, and improve. Also, just press holy like 17 times and every trash pull as soon as you can get it to feel the power of a god. <laughs> the old drunk goat. <laughs> These names keep getting better, don't they? The old drunk goat says, bosses that are off the edge of their arena, i.e. cloud of darkness, leviathan, etc., are omnidirectional. All positional attacks just work on them from any position. The same goes for all mobs in POTD, HOH, and Bajja, and any other mob that has a solid ring floor marker. And Sayomi said, in the category of inventory management, I've also had to tell a lot of people that they can choose an expanded bag layout to open them all at once instead of having to flip through pages. And uh, Jealous W said, start paying more attention to the boss cast bars. This is especially important for tanks and is what will warn of incoming tank busters, but it's generally useful for everyone as a few bosses in the future have push-pull forced march mechanics, and the name of the move will often warn you of which push or pull it's going to be. By that same token, you can separate out the boss cast bar progress bar, enlarge it, and move it about in your HUD settings. You can also do the same with your debuff list, which is also helpful because some future bosses also inflict debuffs that require you to do specific things. The second community tip is coming off from, now just when you think that 17 fellow hogs, or what was the other one, the old drink goats, <laughs> just when you think those names can't get any better, this is like the plus side of landing on Reddit for player tips, um, Yurt, the silent queef, <laughs> added, <laughs> sorry. It's so funny. All right, so, um, Yurt said, Island Sanctuary does not give rusted XP. And they said they just came back from a week-long holiday after logging out on their island to sadly find out that while logged out there, you do not gain rusted XP like if you log out in a city. Sad, but I figured I'd post something in case anyone else wasn't aware. So Ninja replied saying, you definitely should because it and Moraby Dry Docks are both sanctuaries. I wonder if it's a bug. If it is, I imagine that has something to do with how it handles logging out while actually in the sanctuary, since it actually moves you to Moraby Dry Docks and then into your sanctuary while logging back in. And then Yurt the Silent Queef said, yeah, I guess I was stuck in limbo or something. Like it wasn't registering that I was in the dry docks and neither was it registering that I was on the island. Sucks, but it is what it is. And then Valerie replied, to expand on this since I'm pretty sure being in limbo is the case. While on the island, you'll gain rested XP since you're in a sanctuary. The issue is you're having, though, comes from the island being instanced. When you log out on the island, your character is left inside of the instance. 
but also the instance closes when zero online players are inside of it. This, mean, this means your character is no longer inside of the instance nor a sanctuary. However, being offline, the game won't check to see where you are until you log in again. Then when you log in on the game, the game goes, oh, you're on the island instance, but that instance is closed. Now we will put you back to where you were before entering the instance. In short version, you are still on your island while offline, but, but since the instance closes when you're offline, you're not anywhere, and thus you cannot get rested XP. So, no implement 611 said, never heard of rusted XP. Is this only for the sanctuary? And then Valerie replied, rusted XP is the blue section on your XP bar that increases how much XP you gain from everything until it's spent. You regain it by spending time in or logging out in a sanctuary, which is any place with an aetherite. You know you're in one when you have a little moon icon next to your XP bar. All right, this episode is almost done, but before we head out, I will just add where I'm at in game. I actually have mo <laughs> created yet another character. I think my continual search of trying to find like a nice place in the game to call home um, has always been like, cause I'm a lone wolf person and I play at weird hours. It's always hard to find people to play with. And that's why I love that, that um, being able to queue up for dungeons now without actual humans. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. But I still do love having a place um, to play. So in my Warcraft life on Azeroth, I have found a nice group of people through the Lions Pride podcast and they play WoW Classic and uh, Retail WoW and I do the same. And I figured, you know what, I'm a gamer and I don't have to pick one game or the other. I can just play all the games, so I do. So. Um, I found out that they actually started playing Final Fantasy XIV 2 and they fired up a baby um, FC and a baby guild and on the Excalibur server. And I have been playing on Cactuar and I always have just like a 30 like person queue. So then I went to go make a character on Excalibur to like start leveling an archer over there because I do love uh, ranged arching, archery type classes. So I play a hunter in Warcraft and I really right now love the archer in Final Fantasy 14. And I went to roll a character over there but it is a packed server and it's something called a legacy server. And I have never seen that before. So then I asked our um, guild leader and there's like maybe five, six of us right now in the guild and i finally got to get on that was my end point is i finally got to make a creator um, a character for the server but legacy servers are actually servers that have players from the 1.0 version of final fantasy 14 and have a more established player base for the most part while non-legacy servers are servers that are created when 2.0 a realm reborn was released legacy characters in final fantasy 14 1.0 are not permitted on non-legacy servers of today so isn't that interesting so like if you're on a legacy server right now you are locked in there that is your server you're not allowed to like 
transfer off and to go check out the non-legacy servers of today. So that is, it may have changed. That's just information I got off from the interwebs from the, it's a 2013 post. I should probably look and see if there's something else. Oh, here's something on Reddit. Let's, let's have a little travel over to old Reddit. This is a post from 2018 saying, hey everyone, so I'm a new player, completely fresh, and I've joined a legacy server. If my goals are to build a strong FC and make money through the auction at some point, have I shot myself in the foot? And then people replied, legacy is totally irrelevant now. Legacy characters have been able to transfer since 2014. Okay, good. I'm glad we decided to take this little um, trip over to Reddit. Because <laughs> I'm like, that seems like such an old post. It was like the very first Google um, result you get, but it seemed quite dusty. So it so, says, so there's nothing better, worse, or even really different. Besides, you might see a legacy tattoo slightly more often. The best ones for building an FC are probably going to be preferred servers because they'll actually have the most new blood, especially if your aim is to recruit other new players right now. And of course, it's the best place for any new player that isn't joining existing friends anyways. Like in another poster, BJJ Girl said, Legacy is just an old term at this point that notes any server that had characters from version 1.0. It means pretty much nothing in terms of server anymore. So that's good to know. It might be kind of like a bragging rights thing. Like, look at me. I'm original. I'm a 1.0. And to some people, being 1.0 is a brag. And then some... And for others, being a 2.0 is the brag. So, hey, we learn something new every day here on Sprout Life Podcast. We're learning on the fly. So, long story short, I decided to make yet another tune. I'm just never going to. I have I have all the time in the world, you know? That's one thing about the difference between Final Fantasy XIV is the fact that I don't really feel like I have to rush because I don't have to keep catching up to new expansions. They just keep piling up on me, and then I know that I have like unlimited content to play at my own pace. Now over in Azeroth, everything is like sped up. Like you have to, when you put out a new expansion, you rush, 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 you play, 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 and then you can buy a boosted character if you didn't rush and level through the last one, you can just start the new expansion fresh. And Final Fantasy XIV is not that way. You will work your way through the story at your pace. And if you don't get it done before the next expansion hits, guess what? You get another part of the story piled on and you just have this huge book that you get to keep reading that doesn't end. So it's like the best of both worlds, don't you think? So that is where I'm at right now. We have a new, um, there's a new, Final, it's a Lion's Pride Tavern on Excalibur. And RP Groven, let me check. And RP Govan, I kept wanting to say Groven, but it's RP Govan is the guild leader over there. So wish us luck. Stop and say hi. All that jazz. So that has been my adventure time. I always take a couple steps back to take a couple steps forward. <laughs> that seems to be the way I live my sprout life. All right. Let's close this show up, adventurers. All right, adventurers, sprouts, vets, moogles, all of the above. 
This has been episode 15 of the Sprout Life Podcast. You can contact the show on Twitter at Sprout Life Pod. You can email the show at sproutlifepodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Holdreina. And you can find all things about the show where you can listen to it, leave a voicemail, and find other Final Fantasy XIV content creators, as well as the other five podcasts that I host at CozyPodcastNetwork.com. Just click on the Sprout Life Podcast tab and it will take you right where you need to go. So I hope you have excellent adventures and I will see you on Adventure Entry 16. Bye-bye. Take care.